everybody, this is Jackie here with the sexypolitico.com. If you like what we like what we're doing and you want to continue following the Sexy Politico, our podcast or our website, all of the links will be provided down below. Please follow us on any podcasting platform or our social media presence. Today we have a guest with us, James Sheridan. You've You've probably read many of his articles on the sexypolitico.com. And today we're going to be talking about different union issues that are going on in the country today. James, how are you doing today? Doing well, Jackie. Uh, thank you for having me on. So, James, just for people who might not completely understand or haven't read your your particular articles about union issues, can you tell us what is a union exactly? Well, here's how I learned about unions. My okay. uh, my father served in World War II and in Korea, and when he and other veterans came back to Chicago uh, to work in their iron workers union, they had found that it was taken over by racketeers. And okay. the, vet, the vets were not about to put up with that, and so they launched a reform movement. And uh, well, on election day, my father sat on the ballot box with the slot between his legs, and he made sure that <laughs> one vote and one vote only went in per each member. And there were a lot of unpleasantries exchanged on both sides. And in the end, the reformers won. And uh, eventually my father went on to lead that iron workers union. Sure. When I was a little kid, uh, my father never took me to the baseball game or taught me how to go fishing. But he did teach me about the National Labor Relations Act of 1935, the Wagner <laughs> Act, which codifies union rights. He taught me about the Taft-Artley Act of 1947, which in return codified management rights. Right. Um, I, le I learned about injunctions and jurisdictional disputes, and all of that has... Uh, been useful uh, in my own activities as a union uh, activist, and I, I don't miss fishing. <laughs> I've, I've only what well, I've only been once in my in my life, so I don't have a lot of experience with unions. My father was in the military for twenty years. Yeah, but, what kind uh, of protections have do unions give workers? Unions give uh, workers the right to bargain collectively. So rather than going in one on one. Bargaining for wages, benefits, and working conditions, you go in as a group. And a union is, uh, when workers join a union, that union is recognized as the exclusive bargaining agent for those workers. So right. that, that there can't be other, you know, you can't have a management union in competition. Across the country, different states have different levels of protections for unions with am i correct in saying that yes i yeah. i think I, I understand that most of the readers and listeners of the sexy politico are about 35 years old or younger yes and i think to understand where we're at with the union situation today we need to travel backwards through the mists of time to 1981 when air right. traffic controllers went on strike uh, their union patco the uh, professional air traffic controllers organization was on strike for wages yes but also for uh, a shorter work week because the work is so stressful earlier yes. retirement because again the work is so stressful and president reagan who was a conservative republican said look you're you're 
part of a public trust here. You can't go on strike. You, you need to go back to work or else. And a couple of thousand workers went back to work, but the overwhelming majority did not. And President Reagan fired 11,000 air traffic controllers. Uh, the immediate effect was that some air traffic resumed. The air traffic controllers, uh, new people were hired to do the air traffic controlling job and they were trained and eventually got back up to speed. But the signal to employers was, your people don't like your wages, benefits, and working conditions, replace them. And so what we've seen since 1981 is a decline in union membership and a stagnation of, of wages. Yes, for absolutely. absolutely. Now, recently, we've seen a little uptick in the uh, membership in unions, and we've also seen wages go up a little bit. Maybe this is related to the COVID economy, where people are reassessing uh, what it is they want to do with their lives, uh, given some of the, the changing dynamics of the labor market. So as a, as a millennial, when you're, seeing, when you're seeing all of these questions about unions and you hear these, these, these highly political terms such as right to work and things of that nature. Right to work doesn't sound like the like a bad thing, but I've definitely learned that right to work isn't the uh, best thing for workers. Can you explain what right to work means for our listeners? Well, they're trying to undercut the unions. Uh, it's not a right to work. It's a right not to pay uh, fair share fees, which is someone decides they don't want to be part of the union. Okay, they drop out of the union, but they still get the benefit of the, the contractual agreement. They, they get the wages, they get the benefits. And so for years, those folks have been charged a fair share fee for the administration of the contract. And what some employers would like is to just have them not pay anything into the union and weaken the union structure by, by the union getting fewer, lesser wages. How would we educate voters to, to make better choices to help, help workers and union workers and things of that nature? I think the dynamics of the labor market right now are educating people as to um, where their best interests lie. And, and, that is, you know, and that is, you know, people just don't want to go to work for minimum wage and no benefits. I think that people are realizing that they might need to pay more for, for groceries in order to have more money at home. And apparently people are willing to do that. Yeah. Again, we don't have enough data. We're in the middle of something and we're trying to analyze it. But it does seem like people are willing to pay a little bit more. With these elections, are there any big elections that are coming up that uh, or any big bills coming up that that are that we should be paying attention to when it comes to workers rights, unions, things of that nature? Yes, right now. Uh, and the Biden administration is is a friend to labor. The PRO Act, the Protect the Right to Organize Act, is being debated. Now, I, I'm not sure where it's at, you know, where it is in the pecking order with infrastructure and uh, and the overall budget. But the Protect the Right to Work, uh, uh, the Right to Organize. Yes, it's in 
it's being a lot of this is right now is stuck in the house in those in those big reconciliation bills that are being debated off of that are being debated between with with Man, Manchin Manchin the West Virginia side. Joe Manchin yes Manchin and uh, the other the other lady whose name I am blanking on right now uh, Cinema. I, I think I had mentioned earlier, President Ronald Reagan was a conservative Republican. That meant something much, much different than what we see today. Today, it seems like we have the Republican Party, which is a reactionary authoritarian party of no, versus the Democratic Party that represents everything on the political spectrum from conservative to liberal. We, the United States really should have about six different political parties right now. and. But the way that our election structure is set up, we only have two because having third and fourth parties are make it too difficult to get elected. Yes. But going back to the PRO Act, um, one of the aims of the PRO Act is to allow for arbitration and mediation on a first contract. When you bargain your first contract and you can't come to a satisfactory conclusion with management. If it goes on long enough, management's last best offer is put in place. Well, that's an incentive to management to just not bargain. So right. the, pro, the PRO Act would demand that either arbitration or mediation take place to come up with a, a first contract. Okay. Mediation meaning that you bring in a, third, a neutral third party to help you reach an agreement. Arbitration meaning that that neutral third party comes in and will assign a solution to your problem. What is, are your feelings about the 2022 election? And what's 2022, 2022 could be devastating going either way. Either yeah. the Democrats will get larger majorities um, and be able to pass the, you know, their agenda. Or if the Republicans Republicans uh, win the House and the Senate, as historically they do, uh, we're in for at least two more years of nothing. Yeah, we're in uh, for two more. We're in for two more years of Trump politicians. Yes, reactionary authoritarianism, which is just reactionary being undoing everything that is. You know, let's go back to the 1950s, and authoritarian meaning. We follow the big man. Whatever the big man says, we follow. He says this on Monday and something different on Tuesday. Well, he changed his mind. No, he didn't. You just do it. Do you think that these large reactions we see in the in the media are coming from business or are they just coming from politicians trying to trying to rile up their bases? Well, the media certainly pours gasoline on the fire by the way they cover issues. Uh, Absolutely. They're looking for something that's exciting and colorful, kind of like Sesame Street and loud. And when you're making legislation like right now with the uh, infrastructure bill, that's not entertaining. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so the, the, it is to The some media people. adds to it. Yeah. The, well, I, there, there are aspects of politics that are like a game or a sport. And I think we always have to remember that this is deadly serious business to some people. Oh yeah. But also not everybody understands the rules. Yes. Some of your listeners and readers may be interested in joining a union and um, 
I, I think they need to be wary that joining a union is not like using a vending machine where you put right. money in and the vending machine gives you something that you want, you know, in the form of a contract. It's more like a gymnasium membership where you pay your dues so that you can use the gymnasium. You have to go in and do these things yourself. You need to run for office. You need to walk the picket line. You need to mail flyers. Um, it, unions are participatory democracy. And it's similarly to to joining a political party and actually being involved in politics as opposed yes. to only being a voter, which is fine, but you want to you affect need the outcome. To do more. Exactly. Yes, definitely, definitely. And you can chip in $3 to your favorite candidate. You can send emails. You can be on social media. You don't have to go door to door because people are reluctant to do that, especially in, in the COVID economy. It would be interesting to hear Jeff Ward on the COVID economy and how people are kind of shying away from other people. How is that going to affect our election? Will it affect next year? That would be fascinating. He doesn't think it is, but I honestly disagree with him on that, on that to be to be quite honest. I, I can certainly see people saying, I'm not going door, door to door. I'm, I'm worried about my health and the health of my family. Yeah. So and there's always social people. media, all yeah. sorts of social media outlets, including Meta. <laughs> what is Meta? Meta is Facebook. Oh, oh, that's Facebook's right. new thing. That's, oh my gosh. I only, I only read up on that yesterday. So, <laughs> and you know, pregnant brain is, is real. <laughs> Pregnancy brain is real, but uh, do you think how has social media changed how unions are unions are doing their work? Are are people what? on unions very active in social media? Are they using social media to get their to get their agenda across or using it to talk to people more? I don't detect that. I have seen social media posts from. Uh, the two unions I was most active in, uh, AFSME, which is the American Federation of State, uh, yeah. local and municipal uh, workers, and SEIU, the Service Employees International Union. I, I do see posts from them, but I think for the most part, you've got an old guard who believe in the old ways. Knocking and so, so that will change when, 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 as millenniums take over leadership roles, I think that will change. now what have unions given us oh my goodness it was just over a hundred years ago uh you're familiar familiar with the haymarket square right oh, yep. it was just over a hundred years ago that some men were hanged for advocating the eight-hour workday i mean tremendous difference um today union wages are spent in your community on your mortgage on your rent on groceries on goods and services so those higher wages recirculate in your community your your benefits your sick leave if you if you if you have a child like that one if you have a child you, you can bargain for uh for child care leave i mean the unions have unions have given us the the 
the five day work week, the 20 hour, the, the 40 hour work week, the eight hour work day. They've given protections for safety protections. Medical benefits, retirement benefits, um, just incredibly valuable along with wages. Yeah, we need more than money. And I think that that is what they, I think that's what this pandemic has taught a lot of people is that yes, we that money in your pocket is great, but if somebody in your family all of a sudden catches COVID for instance, and you have crappy or non-existent health insurance, you're going to be you're going to be stuck with a bill that you can never pay off yes and right now it seems to be a a worker's market uh, as we were saying before there was a mindset of your your workers don't like what they're getting they don't like their wages benefits working conditions just replace them well it's not so easy to replace people today they're they're yep. standing back and they're they're looking at just how do they want to uh live their work lives i mean for instance where we live where we live right now the cost of childcare is so high i stay home with my son not only because i want to but because i would be working for childcare yes and i don't i don't see a we as a couple don't see a point in me working and me and not and not that wage just going straight to a daycare company but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we we as we as a nation have to have our priorities seem to be shifting due to COVID. And I think that it's going to I think these changes are going to be permanent. Hopefully. I hope they're permanent. Um, I think another topic for a future podcast might be as we mechanize labors like like your automatic checkouts uh, other uh, other industrial improvements as laborers are being phased out of the the job market what do we do about the folks who used to work in manufacturing what do we do about the jobs that just aren't coming back because robots are doing them yet one of the uh, aspects of the pro act is to protect folks uh, regardless of their immigrant status yeah i think i think that at the end of the day we're going we're going to be paying more for food and for other for other things but if we can get higher wages out of that and better benefits at the end of at the end of the day it'll be a wash but right now right now we have a we have one side of the aisle that is going to say no to anything that the Biden Biden administration comes up with right now. And we have a Democratic Party that is not that is not one collective voice, no matter how much Nancy Pelosi tries to crack her whip. Uh, the first time I voted, I voted on a uh, an old fashioned voting machine where you turn the lever for your candidate and then when you're done selecting all your candidates you pull a large lever so that all your votes are, are tallied at the very top there was the option to vote a straight ticket straight democrat straight republican i think by getting away from 
straight party voting. We have a lot of, uh, we have candidates who aren't identifiable as Democrat, like Mansion Cinema. If you didn't see the Democratic label, you might not know that they're Democrats. And so you don't have a party agenda that everyone can get behind. No. And I think that I think that's hurt our politics. It is. It it really has. But at, but also though, it's it's hurt it's hurt politics because the Republican side seems to, at the very least, their their leadership is much stronger than the leadership of the Democratic side. At least more more authoritarian, more the people the junior members are 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 following are are kowtowing to whatever leadership is saying well i don't think aoc would would listen to nancy pelosi just to make her just to just to follow 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 the party line i don't think she would sure it's pretty easy to just follow the leader isn't it? whatever the leader says you do so that's that's pretty simple there um and if anyone stands up like an Adam Kinzinger, well, there's a saying that the nail that sticks out gets hammered. And on the Democratic side, I think what really hurts is some of the rhetoric that goes over the top or is misleading. I think as a liberal Democrat progressive, I think defund the police hurt the liberal Democratic progressive movement terribly it may have galvanized some folks but it also provided a baseball bat for the other side uh, for them to use on us yeah but to be fair republicans are great with are really great with rhetoric they're great with getting the news and that they're really great at getting elected but they're really bad at actually pushing actually getting anything through yes really bad at getting any actual policy done. If you actually look at what the Trump administration did, I mean, the tax, the, they pushed that tax policy through and they pushed their, they pushed their Supreme Court justices through and then, but anything, really everything else was just, no, nobody was paying attention. Right. Um, had Hillary Clinton been elected president all those years ago, we wouldn't have the Supreme Court mix that we have now. And I'm afraid liberal progressive folks like us have ourselves to blame for that. So many people sat on their hands instead of voting for Hillary Clinton because she just wasn't pure enough or they didn't like her personality or whatever. You're voting for the agenda, really. I mean, any candidate's going to be flawed in some way but you're voting for that agenda. That's something that talking to, I I receive a lot of emails from 20 year olds who want to, who want to write different articles and they, they talk about how, you know, how bad Biden is, how it's, they're not good enough, how it's not X, Y, or Z enough. And it's, and I'm just sitting there going, your, your politics isn't just about making you happy. You have to make, this larger base happen and you're not going to find one candidate that is absolutely perfect and what you have to hope for and what there is some hope when you're voting 
there is some hope that somebody that this person is going to at least fulfill 50% of their promises because no candidate can fulfill 100% of their promises and none of them can do it in in one year. Biden has a great line. He says, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. <laughs> and we're going to have a pretty stark alternative next year. Absolutely. Because we have 2022 come honest. We have seven states right now that are that are voting. Virginia being being pretty close to where I live right now. And I mean, I've been sending out emails and text messages to friends just to remind them to vote. And then and seven other states have are voting right now. And then 2022 is going to be huge. It's absolutely going to be. It's going to be a, a huge election, I think. And hopefully it hopefully we'll have a repeat of, of 2018 where more democrats get elected more women more people of color more just more different voices but democrats are notoriously lazy in voting in non-presidential election years that and i think like you indicated before uh the candidate's not pure enough for me well everyone is flawed everyone is flawed everybody has a past and hell with social media even 30 year olds are getting are getting in trouble for things that they did on social media when they're 15 yes yes I mean, honestly honestly social media is going to become the, the new gotcha well, it already has been, but for politicians, as they get as politicians are getting younger, you're going to have people pulling up tweets from 2010 saying, "Look at this horrible thing you tweeted when you were 14 years old." Yes, yes, and, and how the again how the media covers issues is just critical in how people perceive our politics. We'll see what the uh, the Virginia race kind of coverage the Virginia race gets um, it's you know what does it mean for Trump what does it mean for Biden is it the end of the world you know if it goes one way or the other it's just such uh, it's entertainment it's not political analysis no. I mean right now right now my my Instagram feed and things of that nature are just filled with people reminding Virginians to vote early voting things of that nature but we'll see what we'll see what actually happens because the polls are saying that it's neck and neck that western virginians are, are voting not west virginians western virginians well it'll be interesting to see if republicans can sort of peel themselves away from trump or if they want to i don't know if they want to they have so many safe areas, states that are safe. You know which ones they are. They're the ones with the high COVID rates. Yep. And, uh, you know, that it's like a 40% sure thing. It really is. And if, and if enough... And politicians want to get elected more than... Right now, it feels like some politicians just want to get elected as opposed to actually govern. That's my personal opinion, though. I agree. I agree. So thank you. Thank you, James, for, for this wonderful discussion about unions and, and this and current po political life. 
So if you enjoy everything that you've listened to, you can, in the links below, we'll have all of James's social media and also a link to his author page at thesexypolitico.com. You can also take a look at pre previous articles that James has written. Thank you for listening to the Sexy Politico, the Sexy Politico podcast. Everybody, please stay safe. Stay sexy. Bye.